It's time for today's Lucky Land horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Turns and conditions apply. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the Marketers Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio is a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Welcome to a Celtic State of Mind. I'm Paul John Dykes, and today for the Tuesday Bulletin, I'm joined by Lawrence Conley and Natasha Miko. Welcome back to the show, guys. Um, this week has been a completely different 
vibe around the Axon Bulletin. Natasha, are you feeling a wee bit different after an inspired victory at the weekend? I'm not getting too carried away, but it was great to see, wasn't it? Oh, it does. Do you know what? And I think it's something that's been echoed from the other contributors on the show as well. It just boils your mood, doesn't it? You just wake up the day after just feeling that little bit happier because Celtic are giving you that extra something. And is our happiness directly correlated to Celtic's results? In a way, I think for a lot of people, it is. So the fact that not only the result was so good at the weekend, but the performance was so good individually, collectively, real signs that something special is about to be starting here. I think that's really helped with everyone's state of mind this coming week. It's all about the state of mind. You're spot on. I was talking yesterday to Tony before the bulletin about that correlation, Natasha, between your mood and Celtic's performances. Now, I'm not talking that we come home after a defeat, Lawrence, and kick the door and um, various other objects, etc. But how are you feeling this week? Uh, I mean, let's be honest, that, that was a good year and a bit of uh, despondency. We were reporting on it on a daily basis, five days a week, plus all the games. Um, and, you know, there's no way Axon reveled in that. We want Celtic to be as successful as possible. Uh, as I say, I'm not getting too carried away, but I think we're seeing the signs of what Ange Postacoglu is bringing to the club. Well, listen, mate, it wasn't all despondency. We'd done the quadruple treble in there, <laughs> you, you know. Amazing. Uh, It'll probably never be repeated, but you know, as Tony Haggart is fond of saying, it's that the rip rolling, never boring, free scoring, Glasgow Celtic. Dan and Jared both told us this is what Ange Ball is. It's looking good. Tony Ralston, oh, you know, I think he's making his all your words, isn't he? It's just another cracking goal. And it, it, it's not, you know, a wee tapping or anything he scores. They are cracking goals he's scoring. So, mm -hmm. yeah, it, it's brilliant. Uh, it looks like they're going to back Ange as well with a, a, another striker. What a difference it is when you've got a striker up front who's interested, who tries, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, who gives his all. It, it just transforms the team, doesn't it? It stretches the park. It gives the players options. Listen, Eddie, French Eddie might have been top scorer last season. I don't care because you could see he wasn't giving his all in the park and it was really limiting for the team because of that. But look at his now. Look at, you, you know, what result. We will be talking about Tony Ralston, the result, Odson Edward. Uh, it was pointed out there was a moment, Natasha, when Edward's waiting to come on the park um, and Furuhashi comes off after a scintillating display, not just the goals. I mean, he could have scored five, um, but just the all-round performance, the, mm. the working off the ball, the commitment and the likability of him, which, you know, we've been seeing a lot of the footage after the game where he's going up and tapping his teammates on the shoulder for a wee cuddle. Love Absolutely it. love the guy. Um, but there was like a passing of the baton and it, it took me back, Celtic's uh, final game under Jockstein as the manager was at Love Street. We were beat 3-1 and a young upstart in management called Alex Ferguson was the opposing manager. And at the end of the game, I don't know if it was ever photographed, but there was this moment almost of realisation that Jockstein was passing uh, the baton on to a future Scotland great. They obviously remained friends throughout. He advised them once he went to Aberdeen. Um, Ferguson travelled with Scotland. He learned a lot from the great man. And I'm not comparing Odson Edward to Jockstein. I'm not comparing Furuhashi, but the scenario certainly felt like a new era as he was going off and Edward was, was coming on. Let's start off with Eddie. 
Natasha, the future looks to be elsewhere. It looks to be down south. Uh, they're still talking about a transfer fee of 20 million quid. If Celtic were to get that, do you think at this moment in time, decent bit of business? Oh, absolutely. You'd have to 100% accept that. And I think what we've seen from Kyogo in the last few games is how much we've been missing in terms of a dynamic centre forward with that style of movement, commitment, effort. We have been sorely missing that and having him doing that role in the front line shows us how much we have missed it. It's time for Edward to move on. Of course, he has contributed excellently to Celtic over his time here. I'm not going to rewrite that. I'm not going to say that he's given up or not trying or that he's lazy. He's contributed amazingly to Celtic and we have to appreciate that. He has got to the end of his cycle. Kyogo has come in and shown us what we've been missing over the last few months, perhaps longer with Edward. And it's time just for things to move on. It's time for Kyogo to take that baton and maybe... Thomas Henry to come in with him and take it too. I think that would be an exciting partnership and the reports in today's papers and in the media are suggesting that that is one that seems to have somewhat come out of nowhere. I don't think mm-hmm. it's been too wildly rumoured before and now all of a sudden we're hearing that it's very close and I think that would show a great bit of business by the club if we were able to get £20 million for Edward and then spend another, on top of what we spent for Kyogo, spend another £7 million on a player like Henri. I think that that would show a good bit of ambition from the club and would be the foundations of a really solid upfront partnership. What I've read about um, the French striker this morning is that he's tall, a big physical presence and a big aerial presence. And I think that's something that the team are missing. We're missing that height. We're missing that physicality. And apparently that's what he brings up front. And I think that would be an excellent link up with Kyogo and offer a different dynamic yet again. Maybe we'll see a sort of Jan Venegur of Hesseling McDonald style partnership with the two of them. But if we manage in this transfer window to move Edward on and bring the two of them in, I think that would be a great bit of business. I think so. There was there was so much parts of the play that stood out because I remember Alan Morrison giving us the um, you know the track on Ange Postecoglou's style, the types of strikers that he likes in his team, and Alan explained to us that he likes uh, strikers who can win the ball back. Now, one thing, and I don't know how extensively this has been looked at from the performance because obviously we, we you know, focus on his goals. But Furuhashi defended from the front. Yes. There was a number of occasions yes. where he's sliding in, winning the ball uh, 10, 15 yards out. And I can't remember seeing, you know, Edward slide tackling, uh, Lee Griffiths slide tackling. Uh, yeah, he tries from time to time, but he often gives away the fouls. So it's adding a completely different element to the, the forward play. Now, Lawrence, we have been critical over the, the last uh, year to year and a half and beyond in relation to the, the signing policy of Celtic. If we were to offload Eddie for 20 million quid, and I think that you're maximising um, the the finances there at this stage of the game, and you were to bring in someone like uh, Thomas Henry, French from Leuven, from Belgian football, who's 26 at 7 million quid, that looks like a brilliant bit of business um, on Celtic's part, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely. You know, we're going to bring in someone that's hungry. It gives us a different option, as Natasha said. Different style from, from Kyogo. Listen, we all know Eddie needs to go. Eddie's he's just not cutting up for us anymore, as, as good as he was in his first few seasons. Unfortunately, this season and last season, he's not really cut up for me. So if we bring in uh, Tom Henry or 
is it Thomas or me? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not too sure. Uh, it's a different option for us, isn't it? Uh, if he's, a, you know, and let's hope he's an Ange player. You know, it's not someone. Some of the players we've brought in McKinnon will have been like playing him for a while. Is he an Ange player? Is he not? But this guy sounds like an Ange player. You know, we've not heard any links with him, but before. If we bring that in, surely we're settled up front uh, with what we've got. Uh, and then it, I think it's full-backs and maybe another centre-half we'd be looking at whether they're going to be purchases or loans. Who knows? But, you know, can we get a back goal-scoring backup right back uh, now that Tony Ralston's kind of nailing down that number one slot? Now, Lawrence has brought up Anthony Ralston twice in the first nine minutes of this podcast. <laughs> Natasha, so let's talk about Tony Ralston. Yes. And, you know, we know all about him. He's been in and around the first team for five years now, making his debut at the age of 17 under Ronnie Dyla. He made an appearance in Brendan Rodgers' first game, uh, which was a friendly. He came on, he looked like a bright, he had, there was a bright future for him at Celtic Park. Rodgers obviously rated him. He was given a bumper deal following a performance against PSG, who today are in the news because they've just agreed to sign Lionel Messi. Um, and... I don't know if that came back to haunt him. The pictures of uh, Ralston laughing at um, Neymar during that game because he kind of fell out of favour. He was in the wilderness. A couple of loan deals didn't work out. And then he became the butt of much of the criticism from a vast number of Celtic fans. Natasha had the audacity to say that he was the best player on the park uh, for Celtic against Livingston back in January. And I was completely derided for that opinion, but I was just looking at it and saying, well, he played pretty well. And I couldn't see the badness in that performance. Had he come in as a young player, 22 years of age, either from the academy this season or from elsewhere, you know, we've signed a couple of young guys from Sheffield Wednesday, and he put in those five performances that he's put in, this season, would the perception of um, the wider Celtic fan base be completely different on Tony Ralston? I think so. Do you know, he's actually a player, particularly this season, who is getting better every time I've seen him. And for some reason or other, as we've touched on, he's been the whipping boy of the support for a lot of people for a while. But absolutely all credit to Tony Ralston. He knuckles down, he does the job, he gives 100% effort. He knows himself that Celtic will be looking to strengthen at right back. Of course he does. It's widely reported on. He reads papers. He has social media. He'll see that. But with these performances, what he's doing is saying, okay, whoever comes in has to win the shirt off of me. And if they do it, I'll be here as great backup. And he'll still stay committed. That's the sort of person I think he is. That's the sort of player I think he is. And he's earned that shirt at the moment. So anyone we are bringing in has the challenge of taking it off of him. And I think he's certainly shown that he's got the potential to do a job for us. I don't think he is going to be Celtic's number one right back for the rest of the season, but I think he'll be a great backup. And I've got a lot of admiration for the way he's gone about his business. And absolutely, what a goal that was at the weekend. Another one. I know. It was great to see him celebrating, Natasha, because, you know, he will be aware of the criticism. You know, this is the thing. People think that because you're a a footballer on the TV or whatever, then, you know, there's some kind of um, force field around these people and it doesn't affect them. It's bound to affect them. He's been at the club for mm. five, he's only 22 years of age and he's been, he's come in for loads of criticism. So respect to him for having the strength of character uh, to see it through. And as you say, if we bring in a, another right back and we do expect, I mean, Buta has been uh, spoken about now for weeks, we do expect to bring in another one. You can rest assured that 
if you need to bring in Tony Ralston, we've actually got a very competent player there and someone who, as you say, is completely committed, not just to Celtic, but to the way Ange Postecoglou wants to play as well. Now, I still think the priorities, Lawrence, are remain within the, the defensive areas. Uh, a centre-half obviously needs to, to come in as well as right back or left back, be that a first pick or, or cover at left back um, and a centre forward that we've already spoken about. But are you quite confident, Lawrence, that um, even should we bring in a right back, we would probably see a lot more of Ralston than we had done over the last couple of seasons? Listen, I, yeah, definitely. I think if we sign a, a right back, whether or not he's viewed as an upgrade, I think Ange will still say, listen, Tony, it's your jersey to lose. I don't think he's going to kick him out of the team straight away. And to be honest, you know, on these performances, you know, he's not going to lose the jersey straight away. He, you, you know, he, so, yeah, I think we're, we're going to see loads of Tony Ralston. Yeah. And but that's where the beginning of the season, I think we're all worried going all right back. You know, this is going to be a nightmare. And I think it's made everybody eat their words. He's, you know, it, it's not an area. My only worry with right back is now he's the only right back we've got at the club, as opposed mm. to it's Tony Ralston, which I think a lot of people is worried about was, you know, and it, the fact it's the only one, because look at that tackle, that ref let, let, well, you know, I thought it was a sending off, Ralston could have been out of game, and where would, we, where would we be we were, you know, only one right back at the club so, that's a major worry for, for us only having one right back Well, we spoke about it at half time, Lawrence, that was a strange thing Laura brought that very point up, and that was due to the fact that the, the refereeing performances so far this season domestically at least It's the Marketer's Report this week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio is a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct-to-Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Have been shocking. I mean, you can't sugarcoat it, Natasha. Again, Lawrence's has brought it up. Let's let's run with that. So uh, Tony spoke quite passionately about it yesterday. Uh, I think that we've already seen the cut of uh, Angie's jib when it comes to shooting from the hip. I mean, he just says it as he sees it, which is tremendous. And it's actually refreshing to hear that mm. uh, rather than the kind of stock answers you get a lot of time from football managers. Um, do you think it'll come a point should it be Angie's job to speak up about it? Because we've had three potential leg-breaking challenges mm. against Hearts and against Dundee. 
I think someone has to and if it's not your manager coming out and protecting your players the way the referee should be then why not and I think he'll be reluctant to do that too early of course he will he's not going to come in after two games and start going on about the referees and and have the associated negative attention coming from that not that I think he's the sort of person that would let that bother him but we do need to look at this because our players play the sort of way that they are going to draw more and more of these tackles we are going to have more of those sort of tackles against our flair players. I'm worried about players like Koyogo and Abada. But what we need then is for the appropriate protection to be in place. And if that's not in place, then these players are at higher risk. That's the sort of football we want to be seeing played. And if they can't play that sort of football because of risk of those sorts of tackles, then that's a concern. It was actually something, this is along the lines of of all people, Robbie Nielsen spoke about in the press this week, more in relation to Gary Mackay-Steven, and he said he can't play his natural game because of the tackles that are being permitted. Obviously, a bit rich perhaps coming from him. But the, the the point stands, we want to see these players play to the best of their ability, play with the flair that they have. And a lot of the time, the players we have are going to be too quick for their opposition. They're going to draw more of these tackles. It's up for the referees to properly protect our players. And if they're not doing that, then the club need to be asking why. And I think Ange will take up that mantle if we see any more of this. Oh, definitely. I mean, some of them, when a player goes in and the two two feet are off the deck and they're flying into a challenge, I mean, that that's a bone breaker, uh, you know. And we're seeing it far too often. And I think that uh, if given the opportunity, I'm pretty sure Ange will be able to uh, pick up on that one um, in true Lawrence style and speak about the Scottish officialdom. Um, a good point coming in from Rab McEwen, does it not say a huge amount, about Ange's coaching the way that Ralston and others are improving week to week? Well, we spoke in the pre-season about the potential for a player or players to be rejuvenated. And uh, we spoke about some examples in the past. Lawrence of players like Stan Petroff and Bobby Petta and Scott Brown starting to perform better under a different manager. I mean, let's not forget Callum McGregor under Ronnie Dyla, for example. He'd been around about the club long enough but never made any impact until Ronnie Dyla came in and started playing him. Um, is uh, the, the type of Ralston or even Ryan Christie uh, that type of player under Ange Postecoglou are these the guys that you know we maybe had written them off last season, but they're actually going to play a big part this season. And let's use that as an opportunity to to chat about Ryan Christie and the impact he's had under Ange Postecoglou Lawrence. Not not just those two, but I would say Cal McGregor as well. And it's perhaps they're more suited to a manager that's given them more information because we had it last season. Cal Mark coming off going, we didn't know what we might be doing. We didn't know what we might be doing. It's, and seems to give the players a lot of info and, and perhaps these are the type of players that uh, thrive on it but you know I don't think anyone foreseen it would, it would be Tony Ralston kind of well is it second place in the goal scoring charts uh, you know it's just amazing but then again is this his longest run of games for Celtic I, I, I don't know possibly Christie's looking back to his old self and, and so is McGregor so yeah, and is definitely getting the best out of those three. You, you know, he, he, he's lifted our game up a level. But that's what we want a manager to do. We, we want him to make players better and to make the team better than the sum of its parts. And Ange's got a clear philosophy of football that he seems to be getting over. I would say to almost the whole squad, but, but certainly the whole team. Uh, and, it's, you know, if, if that performance is anything to go by... You know, even away in Europe, 4-2, you know, that's a cracking result away from almost 
okay, we, we lost two sloppy goals, but you know, four goals away from home in Europe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, <laughs> that's outstanding. Uh, and then to follow up with, with, with the result of the weekend, just absolutely amazing. So, yeah, I, I think, you know, if this is what Ange can do, you know, what is that, a month and a half, two months? <laughs> you know, yeah. hopefully, you know, by Christmas, uh, things have got even better for us. You know, we'll have a settled squad. Hopefully, we've got more players in and they'll be more used to playing the way they will better understand it between the players. So, yeah, uh, you know, it's going to be exciting times. But, you know, Jared and Dan told us it's definitely going to be exciting times. <laughs> yeah, it seems to be uh, going that way, Lawrence. I mean, Ryan Christie, uh, Natasha, I think back mm-hmm. to an event I did up in Inverness and um, one of the Inverness officials came to the event to speak to a couple of the guys that were there. I think it was John Hartson. Um, and he was talking, it was leading up to the kind of January transfer window, he was talking about a deal for Ryan Christie because, of course, they've got skin in the game. They've got a 15% mm-hmm. sell-on clause. And he was genuinely asking us that night, uh, how much do we think Ryan Christie's worth? And at that point, you know, if I'd said this last season, and I might have mentioned it a couple of times, people would have just scoffed at you because we were oh, yeah. talking about Christie's value being up here, you know. And uh, he had spoken to Celtic about it, and Celtic had no intention of selling Christie back then. I think that was two Januarys ago. Mm-hmm. Um, that player then, compared to the one that we seen last year, was a completely different beast. That was him at the top of it, or what we thought was the top of his game. Then last season, and uh, Christie said himself, he was given a, a shoot-on-sight policy by Neil Lennon. Mm. It didn't quite work. Now and again, it did. I mean, the Scottish Cup final being a great example, and the semi-final. But again, he came in for a lot of criticism, Natasha. He has been rejuvenated. Now, I know we're only five games in. He's not started all five games. But if he can continue with that kind of form and that discipline that he seems to be shown under Porsche Coglu, surely we deal him in. Surely that becomes a priority as much as bringing other players in. Let's get Christie on a new deal. Now, he might leave at the end of the season depending on his performances anyway. But let's get him in on a new deal. Uh, because mm. if he shows this kind of form for any length of time, he's a massive asset to Celtic. Oh, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. I think he's been exceptional in every game he's played for us so far this season under Ange. And you read a lot about how Christie was a bad player last season and now he's you know a good player this season. He wasn't a bad player last season. I would say last season he was a bad decision maker. He made bad choices in terms of his final ball and shooting from range. But like you've touched on, that that was the direction he was getting. That was the instruction he was getting. It was the role he was meant to be playing under Neil Lennon's style of football. Shooting from range was an instruction from the manager. So it looked like the decision making was terrible, which meant his overall play was breaking down. But he was following instructions. And now Ange has revitalised him by tweaking his role. He's freed up the way he plays. And now we're seeing Ryan Christie play to his full potential, which is exceptional. Whether he will stay is another question. I absolutely agree. He is as important it is as important to tie him down to, to a deal as it is to get a new signing in. I think he is that valuable for us this season. But it depends. It depends on Ryan and what he wants. And one thing I agree with Anjon is that if these last few weeks haven't convinced Ryan that he should stay at Celtic, you know, nothing will. Playing at Celtic Park, playing for Celtic in this key role under a manager who hasn't been there long, but is already getting the best out of your game and raising your levels. 
if Christie doesn't choose to stay at Celtic for that, then there's nothing we can do to convince him. And maybe, maybe he is thinking that it's time for him to to move on. I would be disappointed if that was true. I think another great year at Celtic would open so many doors to, to Ryan Christie, but perhaps he wants to go through one of those doors now. And as we've said before, the minute that the player's head is out the door, their feet should follow and he'll unfortunately have to move on. He will be a loss, but we can't keep him against as well. No, I mean, you just see that that passage of play where he beats his man on the left-hand side and whips the ball in for uh, Furuhashi. It was just unbelievable. And, mm. you know, the, the big concern for me as well is if we do let him go, you know, we're very, very short in that area as well on the left-hand side. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Lawrence was talking about how thin we are at right back. You're, you're looking at players, Lawrence, like Uruguidi, Stephen Welsh playing right back, that type of player we need to fill in. O'Connor doesn't seem to be in the plans by the looks of it. Um, on the left-hand side uh, of the pitch as well, we are quite thin out there as well. Forrest has played out of position on the left. Mikey Johnson can't stay fit. So it solves a lot of you know issues, squad issues, if Christy stays. Uh, Brian Murphy comes in to say uh, and thanks for commenting, Brian. You are watching us on YouTube. We've just hit the 13.8 thousand subscriber mark. It's obviously free to subscribe. And when you do, you go into a monthly prize draw where we give away loads of incredible gifts like the Urban Hymns Platinum Disc. This month, it's a Fratelli's Costello Music Platinum Disc. And we've got loads of signed Celtic memorabilia to give away as well. Now, Brian says we should have played them last season instead of Kenny. What was the point in bringing John Joe? in on a costly loan when the league was over. Now, it's a great point, Brian. Uh, some might say, well, that's fine with hindsight. We thought we were getting quality with John Joe Kenny. But I would actually widen that a wee bit, Lawrence. If you look at the performances of Maritz Bauer, who is one of Colin Watts' favourites, Alhamid, uh, Toyan, Jeremy Toyan coming in from Borussia Dortmund, did cost him about €8 million. Euros. And John Joe Kenny, Ralston's actually outperformed I, arguably, all of those players, and I know it's in a shorter period of time, but it, the, the point remains. You know, sometimes you you got to ask yourself why wasn't he given a why wasn't he given a chance last season? Well, I said he's been there five years, so he could you know go right over a five year period. Why wasn't he given a chance? And it's got to be in the way we thought we had better right back options, and just now he's the only option, isn't he? It's. And he's definitely grabbing it with, with, with both hands. But we're still talking about we need to bring in a right-back. So it's, I suppose, swings and roundabouts. I think, you know, Tony's nailed down number one now. It's Even if we bring someone in, I don't think it's automatic that Tony's out of the team. Uh, but the point on bringing in John Joe Kenny, yeah, it, it was a huge amount of money for us to spend on a loan when the league was over. So you've got to think, well... <laughs> We were losing players because they didn't see a development path. Well, there there was a we could have bought we could have brought a backup right back and loan, couldn't we? We didn't need to go to Evan Premier League and play the big money and we could give him Tony Ralston his chance or, or, on that one, you know, because the league was over then. And at least your players are then starting to see a pathway. Maybe some of the young boys that went to Bayern Munich are now looking going, you know, Natasha was touching if Ryan Christie doesn't want to stay for a manager that's rejuvenating his game and taking him to another level. Mm. You know, what can you do? Maybe the boys that have left are now looking kind of backwards and going, you know what, I could have been in the first team. There's a chance I could have been playing. I could have mm. had three or four games for Celtic under my belt. I would have got a chance under this manager. So I think it's something to do with his managers more willing to take the risk. 
uh, you know, Brendan's on record as liking Tony Ralston, but he didn't get a huge amount of games under him, did he? You know, he, he was out on loans and they didn't work out. So, listen, hats off to, to the manager. I think that he's given the boys a chance and, you know, he's improving week in week. You, you know, you, you can see it. But it's probably his, his longest run. I don't know how many games he's had in a row but, but before, but I think this is probably his, his longest run. It's heading that way. Yeah, it's heading that way, Lawrence. I'm pretty sure a Stato will be able to tell us in the comments field that he played six games four years ago in a row. But uh, David Bradley comes in um, to say that Taylor won't win as the league. He can't be a man. He is rank. It's a wee bit harsh, David. But he has been criticised on here in relation to beating the man, um, getting the ball beyond the first man. Let's go back to Christie, though. Natasha, Christie is a great outball for, for Taylor. You know, Christie can do all of these things. Um, so I, I honestly don't think we will purchase a new left back. I think we might bring one in on loan. And I know that uh, we were trying to get away from the short termism of loan deals, but I can't see us going out and spending five, six million quid on a right back and the same on a left back. I think we will invest in the right back and we'll probably bring in a loanee on the left back position. What's your thoughts with, with Taylor and his future at Celtic? I think Taylor comes into a similar sort of realm as Ralston in that they are both capable of doing the job to a certain degree. But when you start to demand more of them against the the better teams or perhaps probably against the European teams, that's probably where their weaknesses are likely to be shown up. Domestically, for the majority of the teams that will play in Scotland, I think both will be absolutely fine. But for a club like Celtic, I think we need to be striving for better in terms of the quality while having players like Taylor and Ralston as the depth. So I think that's where the club needs to be heading in in terms of both positions. But will we sign someone? Will we bring a loan in? The club look like they're spending money at the moment. We've not not spent, you know, Abada's cost, Kyogo's cost, a new right-back will cost, Starfelt has cost. That's good. I don't mind if we're bringing in a loan player if we are spending all this money as well. You know, we're talking another £7 million for a striker. So the money is going out. We are investing in the squad. Yes, we are recouping it in terms of Ayer and Edward. But I don't think it's a bad thing to have a loan year or two. You know, look at what Elianusi did for us while he was here on loan. There's nothing wrong with supplementing a strong squad with an occasional loanee who has that bit of quality. I don't mind that. So if we are to invest in a new right back, good. If it's to be a loan for the left back spot at the moment, that's something I'm okay with. Uh, keep the comments coming in they're absolutely brilliant and um, we utilise as often as we can your comments from YouTube, Facebook and Twitter Strange Love the Doctor uh, regular contributor welcome to the show as well as Mental Fortitude Ralston is a total warrior he looks like an MMA contender he looks in great shape um, and I think you need to have uh, strong strong uh, mental strength a state of mind um, to to overcome the challenges that, that Tony Ralston certainly faced as a first teamer at Celtic Park. The Urban Cool, she says that Tony Ralston is a solid squad player. And then an interesting couple of points come in. Scott Howe, amazing what good coaching can do. Big Ange just turning decent players into great players. Uh, Facebook user, correct, can't drop them. Just hope that Ange can be like Martin O'Neill and Brendan Rodgers, turning average players into good players and great players into excellent players. Well, let's hope so because, um, you know, as I keep saying, I'm not getting overly... Um, excited. I mean, I'm going to enjoy the win 
after the last year we've had, Natasha, I'm going to enjoy it. Of course I am. Um, I'm going to enjoy it when John Paul Thomason uh, brightens up her evenings with these interviews. Why not? You know, uh, because that was absolutely tremendous. And, you know, I don't think that we see that very often on the telly. So when we see it, Lawrence, we, we've got to enjoy that. We've got to enjoy a good performance from Celtic. But we know that Dundee will be in the nether regions of the, the Premiership this season. We know that they're going to be fighting relegation. Maybe everybody's favourite to... to uh, drop out of the league but um, you know that kind of confidence you get by scoring goals that's 10 goals in two games we go into the second leg uh, on Thursday night fans back in the stadium Natasha how important is that to Celtic we heard a lot of this last season and because Mm. of the way we were feeling we kept saying you know is that your only excuse is that the only thing you can give us that we're not there and obviously that's it's obviously had a massive part to play. I mean, mm. you look at the effect at the weekend, how big will it be uh, this Thursday uh, as well, particularly for players who haven't experienced the full Celtic part? Massive. I'm so excited for it. I'm excited for Postacoglu to experience it. I'm excited for the new players to experience it as well. And I think some teams thrive playing in front of fans, like Celtic do, and others maybe don't so much. Um, but for us, I think it is important and I think a lot of the players who even experienced the game at the weekend in front of 24,000 talked about how important that was in keeping them driving and encouraging them something that McGregor said was that when the goals were going in they felt the energy from the crowd they felt the enjoyment from the crowd they felt the support and that urged them on it's a game like that I wonder if last season if you score one or two goals and it gets a little bit flatter. You start to settle 3-0, the game's in the bag. I think at that stage, that's where the crowd really comes into their own in a game like that. And the fact that we are enjoying it so much, the players on the pitch are responding to that and they don't stop at three. They go and they get the four, the five, the six. And that's when it becomes that great, entertaining football we love. I don't think it will be the same so much on Thursday night. I'm not expecting us to go out and spur them on to a 6-0 victory, but what the fans can do in that sort of game is keep them going when the energy levels start to drop, when it turns into a bit of a battle, if things get difficult. That's when you need to dig that a little bit deeper, and I think having a full Celtic park just allows the players to do that more, and I really hope they thrive off it, and all the signs we're seeing so far is that this is a team who thrives off the crowd being there. You're enjoying being back, Natasha. I can tell. Um, I am loving it. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> I miss it so much. I know. This is a th- going back to the opening discussion point. You know, the mood of the camp, the the mood day to day, week to week, uh, when Celtic were doing so badly. But what I would say, Lawrence, every day we, we still turned up and done the bulletin, uh, good, bad, and ugly. Um, how important do you feel it, it has been that we've not been? at Celtic Park and how much difference it's going to be this season, Lawrence, as a result of the positivity that that energy brings. I think it's hugely important. Listen, in boxing, you get some fighters that are, you know, they're gym fighters. They'll beat anyone in the gym, but put them in front of a crowd and they can't do it. And it's very much like that with football. We've got guys out of club because they like playing in front of crowds and they can do it in front of crowds. Some teams can't do it in front of a crowd. They can't hit the performances. They're okay when the pressure's not there from the crowd. When it feels like a bit of a bounce game, they can maybe do it then. But you want to do it when it counts, you know. And, and Jockstein said it, you know, football without fans is nothing. You want to be able to do it in front of the fans. It's their job to entertain the fans. And, you know, it looks as if it's going to be a really entertaining season. And, you know, and I think everyone's glad to be back on the ground and, and feeling that they're, they're playing their part. 
and you know raising Celtic's performances. Mm. Now John Caldwell comes in on YouTube. Welcome to the show, John. What a load of tosh! Christie is playing for a move. I remember another great left-sided player by the name of Tosh McKinley. Um, <laughs> Christie might well be playing for a move, you know. And if this is what brings it out of him, he was playing for a move last season and he didn't get these performances. So I think that's where the balance is. Ayer was playing for a move last season and we got the performances out of him. If that's his his end game. And this is the performances that we get between now and such times as Ryan Christie leaving, then fair enough, you know, because I think the biggest frustration from my perspective is the, the flip side of that, Lawrence, when you see the Edward kind of approach to, I, I don't want to be here, I want to force a move, and you do it the other way by not performing and not looking interested. De- definitely. So you've got Ayer showed how it's done, Eddie's shown how it's not done, and if this is Christie showing how it's done, He's given us everything on the part. He's given us outstanding performances. What's not he like about that? If his motivation is he wants to maybe thinks his time's up at the club and he maybe wants to go and, I don't know, John Stuart Armstrong at Southampton, who knows? But enjoy it while it's here because <laughs> you guys outstanding. I mean, as you said, the turn out on the left or that pass, <laughs> you, you, you know, <laughs> for, for when I go, it's great to watch. You know, we may only have it at Christmas. If we only have it at Christmas, we only have it at Christmas. But if you put some performances like that to Christmas, it's, it's going to be brilliant. Uh, you know, we'd be sad to see him go, but, you know, players come and players go. Uh, if, it, if it's the move, that's the motivation. It's the move, but you touched on it. He was, t- if it, he was trying for a move last season, he didn't get it. So, you, you know, I think a lot's to do with Ange. You know, he's out in the left. He, he, look, that looks like he's going to be his position this season. Uh, Taylor and him have been linking up well as much as Taylor takes a, a bit of stick, you know, that they, they seem to be linking up well. Um, mm. Listen, if that's the move, just get all our players playing for the move, you know what I mean? Because it is, it, it, his level of performance has jumped, jumped so many levels, hasn't it? It, just, it definitely has. It definitely has. I mean, see, when we're looking at the game this week, Natasha, we've been enthused by Abada's introduction. Um, Starfelt, I think, will settle in. Uh, I've seen some interesting stats about his passing accuracy. Um, I think as he grows in confidence, hopefully we'll see a lot more of his defensive attributes. That goal, actually, that Christie crossed in, that started from a great interception by Starfield, didn't it, at the back before um, playing it forwards. And then, of course, we have yet another introduction, and that's the introduction to James McCarthy. Um, do you expect to see him making his Celtic debut? And if so... Who drops out after such a, a you know a resounding performance at the weekend? I think the result of the resounding performance at the weekend is that nobody will drop out at least initially for for McCarthy to to come in on Thursday night. I think we might see him feature, but I think that's more likely to be coming on as a substitute. I'm not sure what his fitness levels are like yet. I know he's been doing some work at Lennox there in extra to get his fitness levels to where they needed to be. Um, so I don't think he'll start on Thursday night, perhaps as a combination of the fact that he might not be as fully match fit as the sum of the squad, combined with the fact that that midfield looked really, really good at the weekend. And who drops out of that? If you found a winning formula that is clicking right now, don't tweak it just to try and shoot Horn McCarthy in yet. Mm. Let's bring him on as a sub and then see where we go from there in terms of the performances. But for me, I wouldn't be tweaking too much going into Thursday night's game. I, th- I think he's likely to, to stick with what we had. It'll be interesting to see some of the things that Postacoglu has been saying suggests that McCarthy will feature, but I'm more expecting to see that as a substitute performance. And it's 
it's a great headache to have, isn't it? That we have so many quality midfield players that can all sort of interchange around some of these roles. But if I was, you know, David Turnbull, I would certainly be thinking about my performance levels and my position. I'm not saying that Turnbull has been playing particularly badly. I just think a lot of players round about him have improved their game and he has not been quite at the levels that we expected to see from from David Turnbull recently. Whether he needs a rest, I know it's the start of the season, but it could be a factor. Maybe he's one that would be top of the list to drop out. But if I was him, I would be looking around the players round about me and thinking, well, none of them are going to lose their position so unless I start up in my game just ever so slightly then then it could be me who drops out of this sort of rotating midfield Well you see this is a great headache for any manager to have, a great dilemma Lawrence and uh, I don't think it was one that we had all too often last season good good point came in actually from Jungle Lion but it's um, been lost in the the hundreds that have come through since, basically saying that you know the young guys and I, I guess we could still say Tony Ralston comes into that category at 22, uh, probably should have been given more games last season when you know the game was gone and, and Kennedy had 10 games and he more or less picked the same kind of team that Lennon played last season. Maybe that was the opportunity there, Lawrence, to throw in Ralston and, and test him and, and you know start the planning process for the following season. I know it was difficult for Kennedy, he didn't know what his future held, but he, he did play it far too safe and I think that was the reason why Ralston didn't really feature um, what's your thoughts on McCarthy Lawrence I know you're a big fan of him as a player but I tend to agree I wouldn't like to rock the boat there's a great deal of momentum at the moment last year you know just about anybody in the midfield could have been replaced at any given time it's a different story this season though isn't it uh, well yes and no we could replace anyone in the midfield three at any given time just now but only because we've got players of quality there, we've got the depth to do it now. Uh, McCarthy, <laughs> if you're any of those three, you're looking at McCarthy and going, I need to be on my game to keep him out because you know, he can play mm-hmm. defensive mid, he can play attacking mid, he can play centre. So you're thinking, right, I need to be on the game here or, mm-hmm. or he's going to take my place and he's just waiting for it. But, but similar, you, you know, Roger looks in better shape than we've ever seen him in. Natasha Tuckson Turnbull's going to have to up his game. Callum certainly his game up a level. If you're sorrow, you're going, you you know what, maybe I thought Scott Brown moving on that position's mine. That ain't so certain now. <laughs> you, you, you know, it's it, it keeps them on their toes. And, and maybe Angel change it up just at horses for courses. Maybe we'll mm-hmm. have a look at the opposition and say, well, look, I'm going to change the midfield because I think I need two slightly more defensive midfielders for this game. And who knows what's going to bring. But hopefully there's a bit of that in there. You, you'd want to keep them all fresh and all guessing, wouldn't you? If we're getting this level of performance just now when they know Listen, I've not nailed the place down here. I think maybe Callum's nailed the place down, but that'd be it, isn't it? It's that there's two places up for grabs for me, and you know, there's a number of players that could take them. Where are you with uh, Tommy Rogic on that argument? Because he came in just at the weekend there. A few eyebrows were perhaps raised that he started, but he played pretty well, didn't he? And he's got that relationship with Ange Postecoglou once. Yeah, Ange is going to know him better than any other player. I think. Kind of, there was a bit of chatting at the WhatsApp group, you know, he didn't get a lot in pre-season, but Ange knew him better than any other player. I think Dan and Jared both touched on it, that actually when Roger plays in an Ange team, he's not asked to do a lot of running because the system, when Roger's in, he's, he, he's more static, not covering as much ground. So, yeah. Sorry, that's my daughter. 
<laughs> but, uh, yeah. but what's, uh, what is the ringtone? You're going to have to fill us in, Lawrence. What on earth was that? Yeah, it's the Godfather of Reggae, Jimmy Cliff. You can, get it if you, you can get it if you really want. Which is, is that what it was? Know. Yeah, the <laughs> message to the, to the Celtic players, you know, if you really want to get it, and you know, you try and try, you can get it. Or a message to the board, perhaps, Lawrence. <laughs> yeah, yeah. L- l- listen, they're doing things slower than we would like, but we're st- certainly getting players in. And just maybe cleared up a wee bit the, the head of football, you know, the, last week you're saying, look, although it's a priority, it's not happening before the transfer window. There's no structural But at least we know now why that was left to the, the manager to inform us. Who knows? But, but at least someone's mm. told us and, and everybody's now getting expectation going, right, we don't need to worry about head of recruitment director of football before the because the manager's told us that's not happening. Uh, which is good to know. Uh, you know, a bit of clear communication. Can I set the fans down a bit and go, right, that's our expectation. It's not happening. Until after, it's still, still something that's going to happen. But yeah, listen, Tom Rogic, I was surprised when he came in, but maybe I'm just looking and saying, well, it's Dundee. I can afford to be a bit more attacking. I could, you know what? I can change the team up a bit for that. <laughs> listen, he's got Velcro feet. The only worry is, can he do it over 90 minutes? Is what we've, we've always worried about when he's been, been in. No more when he's been top, top performance. Can anyone get me to do it over 90 minutes? Let's hope I'm just the man that can. Well, we'll certainly see a uh, good point coming in from Winterhill. The Castle Milk boy can dig. Now, I don't know what it is about Castle Milk and talent, but uh, they have produced some amount of footballers over the years. Just off the top of my head, I'm thinking of players like Bernie Slavin, Ray Houghton, uh, the Grey Brothers, uh, you know, Keiichi Anya was a Castle Milk boy, Tony McBride was uh, Castle Milk. I'm sure there's loads, loads more, as well as the music, Jerry Cinnamon. Um, James Grant, Cosmic Rough Riders, and uh, various others. So yes, we've got another Castle Malt boy in our ranks now. Um, I think when you attended, Natasha, the press conference with Ange Postacoglu and Don McKay uh, at the beginning of the season there, one of the questions was about uh, you know embarking on other markets. You know, he knows mm. Australian football, he knew Japanese football. He's gone and done that with some style, Furuhashi, you, you start asking yourself, how many of these kinds of players are out there? How many can you uh, bring over? Because if that's the standard, you know, outstanding. And I think what we've got in our hands here is a new Celtic hero, Natasha. He's showing all the early signs of being that. Not only does he look like a quality player, he seems like a very likeable guy. And I think that really goes a long way to endearing himself to the Celtic fans. And all credit to Postacoglu. This is clearly an Ange signing. It's a market he knows. And it seems very quickly from moving over, he said, I'm bringing that guy with me. And he went out and did it. Now, I don't doubt for a minute that Postacoglu has a list of Furuhashis. Furuhashi was perhaps at the top of it and his number one target. But Ange has a lot of experience in Japan and Australia. He will know a list of players and he'll have amalgamated a list of players that he is interested in. Whether they'll all spit at Celtic is a different story. Furuhashi is obviously one that clearly looks like he will. But I think I expect to see the club start to tap into that market more and more. And it's certainly working with Furuhashi, so there's no reason why it couldn't work with other players. And I'm excited to see Postacoglu bring a new dynamic and some new ideas to the club, not just in terms of the the players and the transfer targets, but the structure of the club 
as a whole. And it's something else that Mackay touched on at that initial press conference. Um, we know that the sort of rebuild was very talked up. And when Mackay was asked about that at that press conference, what he said is that he was working with Postacoglu on that because they hadn't quite worked out what the structure was going to look like yet. But he wanted to draw on Postacoglu's experience to try and determine that structure before they then thought about what the roles and who would fill those roles under that structure would be. So I think what Postacoglu is bringing to us is a whole range of new experience, both on and off the field, and a new style of manager in the dugout, and and it's all going well for me so far. Oh, absolutely. Now, Red Scotland makes the point, if we get Turnbull, McGregor, Roger McCarthy, Abada and Forrest, and Christie on yeah. top form, we have a fightingly good midfield, absolutely. But it mm. begs the question, Natasha, I'm going to ask you, how many of those players do you think will I mean that that's that's a you know an incredible amount of talent. How many of them will remain? Do you think, looking at that list, there might be room uh, for maybe Christy to go? When you look up front, will we obviously offload Edward? Where does that leave a Yeti? Is he back up? Is he good enough to be back up? Um, will we offload Barkas? I mean, we'll get on to him in a wee second. Mm. I mean, who do who do you think we are going to offload between now and the end of the transfer window? Two or three, perhaps. I think so. I think Edward's certainly one and I think Barkas is likely to be another and I think Christie's the one that is 50-50. But you put that midfield up, list up there and then you think, on paper, yes, you can afford to let Christie go, but on the park, so much of our good play goes through Ryan Christie's, the catalyst of so much that happens. You just have to look at three sublime assists against Dundee. He is very, very important to us. So, of course, I've said it before during the show, I, I want him to stay and I think he'll be a very important player for us this season. But if he doesn't stay, then the encouraging thing is that list of players that you've got right there. And as we've, we've spoken about, there's a lot of games coming up. You know, Celtic play a lot of games while we're in Europe and it's a big congested fixture list and it really pays dividends to have a midfield of that sort of depth and quality. And it's something... We, the, the squad as a whole has been criticised for in the past as the lack of depth and the lack of quality. You can't say that about that midfield anymore. So I think what we'll see is a lot of, of change from Ange. I think he'll use that midfield depending on the game that we're playing and it's nice to be able to have that sort of rotation and that we've got a lot of players who can do a lot of different roles there. So I do expect to see a good amount of squad utilisation across the midfield with a lot of interchanging midfielders there. I just really hope that Ryan Christie is one of them but that remains to be seen. Yeah, absolutely. And now, of course, in the, in the wide areas, we've got Mikey Johnson and Karamoko Dembele to come back from injury as well. But we mentioned Barkas. One of the things that um, I, I spoke to Kevin Graham about over the, the last couple of days was how when you're at the games, Lawrence, um, and you see so much more, don't you? I mean, we've had to make do with the, the TV coverage, uh, good, bad and indifferent. But you see so much more. And of course, the video started coming through the social media of Barkas and the warm up. And then some people defended him saying, you know what, that was a striker drill. He was just to stand there. He looked a bit as interested during that warm up as he does during the games. It's time for Barkas to go, isn't it? I mean, Hearts come in, he got his first clean sheet against Dundee. We've got good coverage in that area. Let's try and cut our losses. I'm sure there's a couple of clubs interested in taking him back to Greece. Yeah, I mean, it's not what we Barkas. He's one of our higher paid players. We'll probably have to pay, I don't know, if he's on 20 grand, we might have to pay 10 of that. You know, he'll probably go out and loan to Greece for a year with an option to buy. I, I think 
the wages he's on now is going to be a stumbling block because after the season he's had, we're not going to get anything like the five million back, and no one's going to pay him twenty grand a week. I know there's probably people who won't pay him twenty quid a week just now on his performances, but yeah, if someone in Greece takes him and they pay half his money, I, I, hopefully he can recapture his form, and then we can move him on. Uh, but it's, I think it's a huge draw, kind of twenty grand. It, it, it's a lot of money, isn't it, for someone who's what third choice now? And arguably, if he's third choice, well, what's why isn't Connor Hazard ahead of that? You know, if we want to develop our players, yeah, I, I think Barkas has got to move. Natasha thought Eddie will move as well. Mm. Uh, Christie fifty fifty, but you, but you touched on Dembele. What a preseason he was having! Yeah, all that tackle. You, you, you know, know. you think if he comes back in, it, it, it's well. Where's he going to fit? You know, it's it's now or never for Dembele. He certainly preseason he looked to be grabbing that chance. The manager seemed to trust him. Uh, he was lining up preseason, so it, there's a lot of positive. Uh, I think from midfield to, to forward, can I get to be the backup? Well. If I've signed Tam Henry and we've got Kyogo up front, uh, yeah, he's third choice then, isn't he? You'd imagine. Uh, mm, he would be, I think, guy. Yeah. So you, so you've got three strikers for one position. It's not a bad place to be in, is it? Uh, I think so, and of course that that would then beg the question about Lee Griffiths and his future at Celtic as well. Lauren said you've got three three players who can play through the middle. You don't need the fourth choice. You would hope that someone someone else would be given an opportunity before Lee Griffiths with everything else that's been happening over the, the last couple of seasons. Yeah, de- definitely. Listen, I've said my bit on, on Griffiths. I don't think he should play for us again. Uh, so, yeah. So, I've kind of, I've not changed my opinion on that. So, I think you know, if we can move him on, brilliant. It's probably too late to do anything. Natasha will know the law better than me, but it's probably too, you know, the club's made a decision on it and yeah, I think going to have to honour the contract unless we can get somebody to, to take it over. But for me, yeah, I, I, I would move him out. Uh, I know he, listen, he's had his issues, but rumour was he was never a particularly great trainer. I think it was Ronnie Daly who got the best out of him, having to weigh him every day at training to check that he was sticking to his diet. Yeah. We want guys that are going to set the standard, not drag it down, don't we? Well, I, I keep saying so much has been uh, spoken about when it comes to Griffiths, but the two players that were given a year this year, Ralston and Griffiths, you know, and Ralston has made it happen, whereas Griffiths has obviously just faded back into obscurity. The reason I bring up William uh, Peden's comment here, who would buy Barkas, I think it's, it so often happens, Natasha, that a player leaves uh, their home country. Imagine the amount of Scottish players that have gone down south, for example, and it's not worked out. There is always a host of clubs back in Scotland would take the, the guy back because of his performances at that domestic level. And I think the same would be said for, for Barkas. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure a club in Greece who know all about his international pedigree uh, would take him back. I mean, we're going to lose money on him. We've just got to accept that. But I do, I do think there would be interest over there. Yeah, I think so too. And I think there'll be a lot of clubs out there who recognise that despite a bad spell with Celtic, we are still talking about a Greek internationalist goalkeeper who had a very good career before he came to Celtic. And I think a lot of clubs will take into account 
it's just not worked for him at Celtic. It was a difficult time during a pandemic, moving to a different country, never settled into a squad whose performances weren't good as a whole in front of a back four that was never really settled and nothing went right for Barkas. It just all went against them and it didn't work. I think there'll definitely be a few clubs, particularly in Greece, like you've mentioned, who are going to be willing to say, look, let's, let's write off that bad spell and give him another go at this because if we can get him when his value is... The, is as low as it's going to be, then we could perhaps, you know, polish him up to be back the goalkeeper he used to be. I think that Lawrence is right. I think that's more likely to be a loan spell. I think a lot of clubs will be willing to take a gamble on a loan with an option to buy and think, you know, let's let's see if Celtic was a blip. Let's see if he can revitalise his career somewhere else before committing to a purchase for him. Mm. Or, or Celtic just have to you know take a cut on this one except you know that there's going to be a loss and let him go for the sake of the wages I think him himself would probably be looking or at least consider being willing to take a slight wage cut to try and rejuvenate his career of course that's that's a matter for him as well but I think there will be ways of moving Barkas on this transfer window whether it be loan or sale and I think there will be clubs willing to give him a chance to revitalize his career and I hope for his sake that there are, and I hope that he does manage to do it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, go back and uh, build your confidence up. That's mm. what we would hope would happen. There was loads of conversations on this particular bulletin uh, over the summer, Natasha, around the captaincy at Celtic Park. Uh, the, the vice captain, of course, mm. got the captain's armband. That was announced. And it looks as though he's stamping his own mark on the captaincy. You know, new players coming in are saying that they were welcomed by the new captain getting in touch with him. He did the impromptu uh, after-match huddle, which, again, um, basically, you know, it really struck a chord with the Celtic fans because of the way we've been feeling the despondency around the club. That... You know, you, you can see players uniting like that, bringing it all together at the end and actually showing that this means something to us as well, you know. Um, how impressed have you been, not only with his performances, Natasha, but the way that he's taken that captain's armband and, and ran with it? Very, so impressed. And a lot of people, and I'm not washing my hands of this one either because it was a concern that I had as well and vocalised, was Callum McGregor the right character, the right sort of person, the right sort of personality to take on the captain's armband? And a lot of people, myself included, were a bit sceptical about that. He has absolutely proven these people wrong and he has made that role his own and I think he is thriving underneath it. He, in the few games that we've seen so far, he is like the engine in the middle of that park, driving players on, raising the standards, setting the standards. And it was really exemplified by that huddle at the end that he did and it almost felt like that was the new era really getting into motion when he did that I mean we don't know what's said in these huddles but for me I'd imagine it was something along the lines of this new campaign starts now the Dundee United result just before that helped create this clean slate and we need to use that to kick off no turning back. This is where we start. This is where our campaign starts. This is where the performance levels need to be. Let's not let it drop. Let's keep it going forward. And I think that's exactly what Callum was trying to do by pulling them all into that huddle at the end. And it has given the impression to, to the fans, the players, the club, that this starts now and we kick on from it. And I all credit to Callum because I think he's doing an excellent job. 
Absolutely. I mean, he had a good Euros. Uh, we were impressed with that. And he's obviously been given the added uh, authority, if you like, uh, responsibility, Lawrence, of the captaincy. Um, I've always been a big fan. I think last season, like many players at Celtic, he really suffered. He suffered from things that were happening, obviously, on the park. He was suffering from um, the despondency within the camp. But I think what we're seeing now is a player who is coming of age, Lawrence, and I think he's going to be one of our most important, pivotal players this season as we try to win this title back. Yeah, listen, Scott Brown casts a big shadow. It's big shoes to fill, and, you know, Callum stepping out of that shadow, and he's proven more than adequate as a replacement as captain so far. It, you know, Cassius touched on, he introduced a huddle at the end of the game. The players are saying it's Callum that's welcoming them. You know, the boy's living the dream. He's, what, 28? Ball boy all the way through to 28. It's going to be, mm-hmm. I know he did the spell out in Notts County, but outside of that, it's going to be, you know, uh, a one-club man. Uh, he's just, like, amazing. The amount of ground he covers, he's just absolutely everywhere. And you know, we're touching on all the midfielders are looking good, but some, you know, Callum seems to be sweeping up the mistakes a lot of the time, you know, but when they do have a loose ball or you haven't covered quite right, who's there? It's Callum that's there. It's him that's intercepting. It's him that's picking the ball up. He, he just never stops. He's getting effervescent energy, much like Kyago up front. And I think that's contagious as well amongst the rest of the players when you've got a couple of players displaying that kind of energy and drive in the team. It is contagious. And I, I think that's something that definitely can bring to it. You know, when we, we talk about James Forrest and when he's out the team, Natasha, and people uh, looking at his contribution, not only in the goals, but the assists, and he's, he's almost he's set up almost 100 goals for Celtic, which is an incredible stat. You, you look at Callum McGregor, he doesn't maybe score as many goals, 54 goals in 330 games. 63 assists. It's incredible the amount of assists as well that Callum McGregor chips in with. But the biggest thing about that start, the 330 appearances for Celtic, he only made his debut seven years ago. Mm. He's not one of these guys that was in and around the team at 17 or 18. He was 21 years of age when he made his debut at Celtic. And he's played on average 50 games a season. And that's probably going to creep up as he gets older. Um, I think that he has the opportunity. I think he's got something to prove this season as well after last season. You know, he was one of the guys who was vocal where he was able to be vocal, you know, in the post-match uh, interviews. There was a couple of occasions where he was hooked off. Uh, I think Ibrox, when he came off, and he was he was raging, and I think he was raging with the whole situation, uh, but probably with his own performances at that time, which were uh, way off what we had kind of um, grown to uh, expect from Callum McGregor. And uh, I, I just feel that, you know, he is captain material, you look at the Scotland side that he's part of as well and the way that that's developing and you hope that he can be part of that. He obviously looks after himself. He's he's not one of these guys who's going to be out the game at the age of 32 like some others that were mentioned on this very podcast, this broadcast. And I think this season's going to be massive and he's going to carry us through a lot of the games. But again, going back to one of the earlier points, a player like that needs protection. You just need to look back at that holiday challenge. That could have ended his season. Uh, quite easily. So players like him, players like our, our new hero, um, uh, you know, they need protected from the, the Scottish uh, officials. Now, we've been really, really busy on a Celtic state of mind since uh, the last two games, 10 goals. It's all been positive. Uh, I don't think there's been much in the way of negativity on the show, and that shows through the comments section, which strangely have all 
on mainly being from Celtic fans, which is great. So thanks for joining us on Twitter, Facebook and on YouTube. And thank you to Lawrence Conley and Natasha Miko for joining me on a Celtic State of Mind. Got hair loss? I know what you're thinking. Should I shave my head, comb it over, wear a hat? Just stop. This is in 1970. Keep your hair and your confidence because Bosley, America's number one hair restoration experts, can give you your real hair back permanently. Check them out today because they're giving away an absolutely free information kit and a free gift card to anyone that texts EASY to 203203. Dude, you don't have to look like your dad because this isn't your dad's hair loss treatment. People all over the country trust Bosley because they're ahead of the curve. They use the latest technology to give you your real hair back. And the best part? Bosley's permanent solution is protected by the Bosley Guarantee. Let Bosley show you for free how awesome your hair could look with an absolutely free information kit and a gift card for $250 off. Text EASY to 203203. That's B-A-S-Y to 203203. This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, direct-to-consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Social Podcast Network. Sports 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 Social Podcast Network. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.